This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Almost every day, it seems, there are news stories about workplace misconduct. Are business ethics a relic of the past, or are ethics more essential than ever in the workplace? Some of the hardest cases arise when the boss is pressuring you to do something unethical, and your job may be on the line. How do you handle that? Then, do you wish you could get a better night's sleep every night? We'll talk with a medical doctor and top sleep expert who shares advice and proven techniques to help you get a great night's sleep every night. The person who's got two jobs and gets by with four or five hours of sleep, even though they tell you they do fine with it, I'm a lot more concerned about that person than the person who tells me I sleep one hour every three weeks. Those two stories and more are coming your way on this edition of InfoTrack. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Just about every day, there are news stories about workplace misconduct, fraud, and harassment. Have business ethics become a relic of the past? Our next guest says ethics are essential in today's modern workplace. John Hooker is Professor of Business Ethics and Social Responsibility at Carnegie Mellon University, and he's author of Taking Ethics Seriously. Professor, there are many gray areas, it seems, when it comes to applying ethics to the world of work. Can you give us some examples, as we start out here, of common ethical dilemmas that can crop up in everyday business? Yes, well, ethics seems like a gray area because it's hard. It's hard to make ethical choices. So I like to emphasize that in a complicated world, we need an intellectual framework to deal with these choices, much as we have a framework like engineering to deal with our physical infrastructure. So as for examples, one famous one is dealing with Ford Motor Company, which once had a car called the Pinto, and it had a defect in the gas tank that would cause sometimes for a car to explode on a low-speed rear-end collision. And the company found that it could fix this defect for $11 a car and decided not to fix it on the basis of an analysis that showed that the cost of fixing 12.5 million cars was actually much greater than the benefit that would result. So they decided not to fix it, and that became something of a scandal in the literature. So what was wrong with that decision? It seems wrong because the people were incinerated in these cars. The problem there was a violation of autonomy without informed consent, right? So the people who bought these cars with the defect did not give informed consent to taking the risk of driving that car as they did when they drove a normal car. Another case deals with a company called Guidant Corporation that made defibrillators to implant in a patient's heart. And it turned out that these defibrillators had a defect that would occasionally cause the device to malfunction. So it had to decide whether to inform the doctors and patients about this defect so they could replace it with a new one. Well, it turned out that it's actually more dangerous to replace the device than to leave it in place. So they reasoned it was better not to inform the doctors and the patients of this danger, of this risk. It took an enormous amount of heat for that. But actually, it was the ethically correct decision. Hmm. Because in that case, they were maximizing utility. As we say in ethics speak, people were better off and not knowing about this defect. And there was actually no violation of autonomy because none of the action plans of the patients were actually interfered with by this decision. And although the patients may have preferred to know 
you're not required to accommodate everyone's preferences. You're only required not to violate their autonomy. So that was a very tough decision, and the executives took a lot of heat for it, but it was the right one. Hmm. So these issues can be tough. What about an example, a much smaller example of you find out a coworker is maybe padding their expense accounts by a few dollars a month? Yeah, so that's a very common dilemma that my MBA students often bring up in class. So, for example, one of my students had a situation in which his boss was taking his wife on trips at company expense and concealing the fact that this was going on. So he was deliberating about whether to report on his boss. So have you analyzed that one? Well, first, you use this utilitarian criteria that I mentioned. You know, are people going to be better off if he reports on his boss or if he keeps quiet? We really don't know in a case like this. It's very hard to predict. And there's another principle called generalization principle we use in ethics, which says that the reason for your action should be consistent with the assumption that everyone who has that reason acts the same way. So he would have to ask, suppose people were never to report on their boss in a situation like this when they're padding their expense account. Would I still be able to achieve my purposes in keeping quiet about it? Well, his purpose is to keep his job, stay out of trouble. Suppose everyone tried to stay out of trouble by not reporting on their boss. Would he still be able to achieve that purpose? Well, sure he would, because people rarely do report on their boss anyway. So that's the case for keeping quiet about that particular type of padding. It's perfectly ethical. Now, in other cases, it may not be. You take it one case at a time. And you have, as you've been mentioning, I guess you could call it almost a three-part formula to apply across the board to come up with a broad sort of scan of the ethics of each situation. I'm wondering if you could just touch on the brief summary of each of these factors. Yeah, so these are three basic principles that have been developed and refined over a century. Very smart people have been thinking about this. And, you know, they're a bit hard to state precisely, but I'll tell you briefly what they are. So I mentioned the utilitarian principle. This says that you shouldn't act in a way that creates more harm than good. So, for example, you're staying at a hotel, and it's 1 a.m., and you decide to turn your TV up really loud and disturb the whole hotel. Okay, that's something you shouldn't do. Why shouldn't you do it? Because it creates more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Second principle is the generalization principle, which I just mentioned. So, for example, you could ask, why shouldn't I just tell lies for convenience? Like, I can get through the day more easily if I tell a few lies. Why shouldn't I do that? So you ask, let's suppose everyone who would find it convenient to tell a lie would tell lies all the time. And what would happen? No one would believe you, right? You wouldn't be able to accomplish the purpose of your lie. So there's a contradiction in that policy. That's the generalization principle. And the third one is the autonomy principle, which I mentioned in the case of the Ford Motor Company. And that's the principle that you should not interfere with anyone's ethical action plans unless they have given you informed or implied consent to do that. We're talking with the author of Taking Ethics Seriously, Why Ethics is an Essential Tool for the Modern Workplace, and the author is John Hooker. Professor, you mentioned some social media sites. Has the social media sort of vigilantes out there been better for ethics in terms of smoking out the offenders? Yeah, so there are two main issues there. One is the privacy issue, and the other is the issue of allowing offensive folks to stay up. So on the privacy issue, I think we are gradually becoming wise of what's happening here. Obviously, these big online sites have a business model that involves selling your personal information, right? That's what it's all about. That's why they exist. So at least for many years, people were somewhat naive about this business model. They were naive to the extent to which our data are being sold all over the world and the extent of which data mining software can connect the dots and create dossiers on all of it that we don't even know about. So I think there's a certain amount of deception there historically. 
So these sites would have so-called privacy settings and such things, which were not privacy settings at all. You know, they would only restrict what other users could see. They didn't restrict what advertisers and marketing firms could see. So I think, yeah, there has been a good deal of deception, at least over the years, in social media sites. And people are now becoming wise to that. So recent events, I think, have raised consciousness in that area. If I'm someone listening and I work at a place and the boss or the corporate owners are really uh, disturbingly unethical, in my opinion, what else can I do to perhaps make things better? Some of the hardest cases arise when the boss is pressuring you to do something unethical and your job may be on the line. How do you handle that? It's a case-by-case situation. So I'll give you one case. It's a hard one. One of my students had a boss in a financial firm. And the boss asked him to write this report to customers of the bank. And one of the items in the report was an account of the mutual funds offered by the bank. But one of those funds was doing very poorly. The boss didn't want the customers to know about this. So he told the employee to write about all the funds that were doing well, but just not mention the fund that's doing badly. Should he go through with that? Is that good or bad? Well, there's a problem with it because it's deceptive, right? You don't have to lie to be deceptive. You just cause people to believe something that's false. So he was deceiving the customers and believing that all the bank's mutual funds were doing great. So it was a deceptive action. Should he risk his job or his promotion to tell the boss, I just can't do that? And the answer to that is, well, it depends on what's riding on it. But basically, if it's, say, only a raise or a promotion that's riding on this, he has to tell the boss ethically, I just can't do it. It's just not who I am and so forth. On the other hand, he has family obligations and there's a high chance he's going to lose his job for giving his boss trouble. Then, yeah, he can do it once, but he has to start looking for another job. Get out of there. So it's one case at a time. Those are very tough cases. The book is Taking Ethics Seriously, Why Ethics is an Essential Tool for the Modern Workplace. The author, Professor John Hooker of Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. Professor, thank you so much for joining us today on uh, InfoTrack. My pleasure. Next, wish you could sleep better? A top sleep doc's advice, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this. 